Good morning all. It's good to be with you. It's good to be hands-free as well. So I, I, can, uh, I can be even more enthusiastic and uh, um, whatever the phrase is when you wave your hands around quite a lot. So, uh, so, so that would be excellent. Why don't we stand? During the, during the worship, um, there was a little bit of an incident. Um, Samuel Roloff, uh, who, who's been recently in hospital um, for six weeks, he's, he, he's, he's out now. Um, but he had a little bit of a turn during the worship, um, so we needed to call the paramedics. Um, it was, uh, he looks like he's okay now, which is good. Why don't we just raise our hands, close our eyes, we're just going to pray for God's blessing. Why don't you just where you are, pray your own prayers. If you don't know Samuel, just pray generally for his good health, his blessing and his healing. If you do know him, you can pray much more specifically for him. I'll just give you a few moments. It's good for you to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. You are the great healer. And uh, I just want to ask right now, would you please release your healing power on Samuel? I thank you for the mighty man of faith that he is. I thank you for Barbara as well. Would you be with her? Lord, I ask for your healing power to be released. I want to thank you for the doctors in the congregation. Thank you for your grace in that. We ask you that Samuel will be returned to full health. Would you give the doctors and paramedics real skill and wisdom? We ask for that in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our seats. Brilliant. Let me add my thanks to what Andrea said in, in just saying... Thank you so much for all of you that have contributed to the food bank already. Um, 1.2 tonnes of food, either given or in cash. That's good, isn't it? I mean, I think that's, a, that's an amazing response. So, so thankful to God for you. If, if you haven't yet engaged in it, though, you've got three weeks of catching up to do, all right? So the next week four, week five, we're looking for a bumper, a bumper response. So obviously it's depending on your own personal circumstances, what you can afford. I, I, I get that. We don't want to put undue pressure on you. But if you can, it makes a real difference. It's, it's not just about giving food and putting in boxes. It's about changing lives when they come through the door and they get two shopping bags worth of food, which means they can eat for the next couple of days. That makes a massive, massive difference. You know, I don't know. Imagine going to bed tonight wondering, what will I eat tomorrow? I don't know. There's nothing in the cupboards and I'm not getting any money for a couple of weeks. What am I going to eat? Imagine the fear and the worry if you're in that situation. But being able to come to somewhere like this where you will not be judged. There's a lot of other people coming as well and you'll find compassion and friendship, and you'll go away, not just with that, but knowing that your stomach will be full for the next three days. 
Imagine the difference that makes to people's lives. So if I can encourage you, on top of your normal giving, to step out generously in that way, that would be absolutely amazing. I mentioned a few weeks ago that our midweek church life is changing. Five years ago, we set up community groups. They have been a real, real blessing. And particularly for us as a church, it's got us thinking about broader community and not just ourselves. It's been really, really good. But we feel now is a good time to reinvest into midweek church life. So we're going to be launching um, connect groups um, in the autumn term. And I just want to tell you a little bit about them just to whet your appetite, get you thinking about it, thinking about where you will engage, how you will get involved. So they will be meeting in homes We're going to start them in October and they're going to run for about nine months right the way round till the end of June. At the end of June they finish, unless you're really, really enjoying it, then you can carry on meeting for a little bit longer. And then we're going to look to re-sign up again in the autumn term. The great thing is it just means that if you're a group leader, you, you know when it's going to finish. Gives you that chance to reconsider if you want to go again. Um, but also if you're in a group, if you fancy a change, that also provides that opportunity as well. They're going to be meeting fortnightly. Um, if you're thinking, I would quite like to lead a group but wouldn't know how to do it, we're going to be providing training um, uh, on the run-up to it to make sure that you're well equipped for it. The groups are going to be venue specific, so we're going to have groups that are assigned to Bex Hill. We're going to have groups that are assigned to Six O'Clock Church. We're going to have groups assigned to King's Church Hastings um, as well. Community groups are going to be finishing in their present format, although some of the projects that are running on the back of it will continue in a different guise, and we're just working out the best way to make that happen. So over the next couple of months... Please have a think, please have a pray, please have a look at your diary and make sure when it gets to October you can fit in doing life with other people from church. Because you don't, you don't effectively grow as a Christian if you just really come on a Sunday. And that's quite a bold statement. That alone isn't enough. You've really got to earth it in, do life together, get to know one another have the opportunity to be wound up a bit by other people in the church, you know? Rub a few, knock a few corners off one another. It's good to engage midweek um, as well as Sundays. Now also, when I shared this about midweek church life, I also shared the first half of a preach, which I'm doing the second half of this morning. So it's about three weeks ago. It was based in the Uh, in Acts chapter 19. It's the last preach in the series. And you may wonder, how on earth can it be that we're finishing in Acts chapter 19? We're not. We have gone right the way to the end. I've just gone back again because Acts chapter 19 is absolutely um, brilliant. But if you haven't listened to it or if you weren't here, do listen to it online because I shared news about me having a sabbatical um, uh, at the very beginning of June, right the way through till mid-August. So there's a little bit of details about that in there. And I also shared news about John and Alex Wales coming down to take on the leadership of the Central St. Leonard's venue. So it's good for you just to have that opportunity to hear that um, and hear it firsthand. So that is online if you want to listen to it. Now, as a church, we are passionate to see Hastings and 1066 country transformed by the power of the gospel. We don't believe the gospel is just good news for us who are here this morning, because there aren't enough of of us here. 
There are far too many people in Hastings, Bexhill, St. Leonard's, Roberts Bridge, Rye, who don't yet know about Jesus. And they need to know about Jesus. They need to know the goodness of God in their lives and the power of gospel so affecting them and transforming them that their lives are different. That they find a freedom from addiction, freedom from fears and things that, 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 that rob them. They find peace with God. They know what it is to be built into authentic community. What we have is too good for it just to be ours. And in actual fact, if it was only supposed to be for us, God would have taken us straight to heaven when we became Christians and then we could get on and really, really enjoy it without any of the hindrances that bother some of us at the moment. But he hasn't done it. He's left us here. And he's left us here because there are so many people that don't know about him. And that's why we're here as a church. To see lives transformed out there, to see the communities and neighbourhoods that we are part of different because we are here and you may think well that's a really big mandate how on earth can we do it well I believe we best do it when we are as healthy as we can be as a church that is not an inward statement that is an overflowing statement you see as we church get on and do the things we are called to do if we focus on the ingredients that go into making healthy church, we cannot but help impact those around us. I absolutely believe it. If we build church as God intended it to be, we will see it impacting like it did in the book of Acts, which we've been reading about and preaching about and listening to for, for a number of months now. So last time I looked at four ingredients that go into making healthy church. I said healthy church is a bit like baking a cake. Everyone laughed because you all know I don't know anything about baking. I don't know anything about cooking. But I do know that in cakes, ingredients go in. You get your eggs and your flour and your sugar and your milk and other stuff like that goes in. And it sort of gets mixed together with some flavourings and bits and pieces like that. And it gets put in an oven and then what comes out is a cake of varying quality depending on how gifted and talented you are and whether you did it in the right way. Well, in a funny sort of way, church is a bit like that. That if we focus on putting the right ingredients in, not just corporately, but actually individually. This is an individual message too, but it's corporate as well. If we do that, what gets produced is healthy church and we see the results from Acts chapter 19. So I am passionate. So what we're looking at is how to grow a healthy church. And when we read Acts chapter 19, verse 1 to 10, we saw four things, which I'm just going to very briefly touch on. Then we're going to dive into um, the fresh material this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, do turn to Acts chapter 19, um, because that's where we're going to be basing. We looked at the church in Acts chapter 19 was birthed in the Holy Spirit. The visible, tangible work of the Holy Spirit happened at the very inception of the church in Ephesus. These 12 men gather, the Apostle Paul sees them, they know something of the gospel but they haven't got the full package and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you, did you receive? He, he asked a question, because he, that question, because he believed they should know whether they'd received the Holy Spirit. So the church was birthed in the Holy Spirit for us to be healthy, for us to do this massive mandate that God has given us to reach 140,000 people 
with the good news about Jesus Christ. We cannot do it unless we are infused and empowered by the work of the Holy Spirit. We can't. But we find it wasn't just that. We also find that they learned how to hear, wrestle, understand and apply the Bible. Now I deliberately didn't just put Bible in or preach the Bible or something like that because when it comes to the word of God it's so much more than just that. There's a real danger for us, particularly if you've been a Christian, say, I don't know, over five years, that you're really good listeners to the word of God, but you're not quite such good appliers. We, we know lots of stuff. You know, when I said about being filled with the Spirit, come on, you guys, you know it. But as I said last time I preached, when was the last time you were filled with the Spirit? When was the last time? Please don't tell me it was Angela Kem back in the autumn. That is not the right answer. Please don't tell me it was 1995 when the Toronto outpouring occurred and I really enjoyed God that day. Oh no. We need to be hearers, wrestlers, understanders, appliers of the word of God if there is to be the blessing in it that God was meant there to be. That takes us to be involved. The Apostle Paul in Ephesus, um, I think he was at the Hall of Tyrannus, he, he, he debated the word of God. It was applied into people's lives. That's one of the reasons why we are moving into connect groups in the autumn because they are relationally based and they are discipleship based. We need that opportunity to really get the word of God into us. Thirdly, all of Asia hears about God. We, we take the good news beyond these walls to people who don't yet know about him. What a challenge. But we see the kingdom of God coming, advancing. And then lastly, if you remember rightly, I said, King's Church is a church for everyone. Whatever your background, whatever your nationality, whether you are homeless or whether you live in a palace, King's Church is for everyone. And that puts a responsibility on us as members of Kings to be really warm and welcoming and to step out of our comfort zone frequently in talking to people we do not know. Going, walking across the room and just go, you know, getting out of our comfort zone and just talking to people we don't know. That's the only way we will be church for everyone. If, if I run really fast at the end of the meeting... And have very short conversations. I reckon I might do about 50 or 60. But there's no way we'll do everyone. And anyway, that wouldn't be church for everyone. That would just be me running around really fast. It's, it's for us. So this week we're going to pick up three other ingredients. Then we're going to look at the results. We're going to look at space for the supernatural. God is famous and feared. Discipleship costs um, everything. So if you've got your Bibles, we're not going to read the first 10 verses. I wanted to, but I think time is a little bit short. We're going to pick up verses 11 and 12. So on the back of the, uh, these 12 guys being filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul arguing and persuading in the hall of Tyrannus, the whole of Asia hearing the gospel, and both Jews and Greeks coming in church for everyone. This is what it says. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. Wow! 
How cool is that? I mean, we know, don't we? We know that with Jesus, the woman with the issue of blood came and thought, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. But this, this sounds like a bit of an upgrade in some ways. Do you know what I mean? Handkerchiefs. Look, I've got a snotty hanky. That's definitely touched my skin. You know, but imagine that. So, so Andrew then takes it out. He takes it out. He pops it in his pocket. And he thinks, my mum's sick or, or, or my grandparents are sick. I'm going to take it to them. And it says that sick people were healed and evil spirits left. Wow. Now that did happen, by the way. I just want to, that's not just a nice story. It's not a fairy tale. That, this is recorded, a historical document. It, it is recorded. Now, I put in here space for the supernatural, but I feel rebuked by it. Because I've given it the wrong title. We're not going to go anywhere if we just leave space for the supernatural. You know? We, we won't. You can leave space for all sorts of things. We don't know whether or not it's going to get filled or not. We need to pursue the supernatural. We need to be men and women who step out of our comfort zone, just as it is for church for everyone, and we start praying for the sick. Will we see everyone healed? No, we won't. But do you know what? When we prophesy, we don't get it all right, but we don't stop prophesying. When I preach, I don't preach like John Piper, but I'm still preaching. You know, when I pray, not all of my prayers get answered, but I keep praying. When we pray for the sick, not everyone gets healed, but we keep praying for the sick. And there's different measures of gift, there's different abilities, there's different anointings upon people. But we are just called to go for it. And I think that when this is in the Bible, it's not there. I mean, Paul was an amazing apostle. And this was a remarkable point in his life. I think that's why Luke records it. He was doing extraordinary miracles. This, this wasn't probably what happened in Athens when Paul was there. Or, or when he was in Galatia on his earlier journeys. But it was what happened in Ephesus. And I don't think we should look at it and say, oh, it's all right for Paul, good, we're pleased it happened at some point in the history. I believe it's meant to be there's a provocation. If it happened then, well, why don't we go after it now? Who knows what God will do if we step out in faith and if we give it a go? I guarantee we'll fail a lot, but you know what? We're going to succeed as well. And we mustn't let a fear of failure stop us from pushing into things. When Jesus turned up, a number of things happened. Deliverance, salvation, freedom and healing. Now as a church, I believe Jesus was here by the power of his Holy Spirit when we gather to worship. I believe he is every single Sunday when we gather. I believe he is when we gather together in smaller groups as well. Now why is it we so see so little deliverance, salvation, healing and freedom? Or we don't see as much as I want to see anyway. I think we've got, to, we've got to be seeking God for more. We've got to be stepping out and expecting to see more. They're signs of the kingdom of God. They're just there. And, and you may think, well, maybe it was just the Apostle Paul. Hey, you know, I'm not the Apostle Paul. I know I'm not called to be an Apostle. So I don't need to pray for people who are sick. Well, let me just quickly take you, the words will come up on the screen behind me, to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 9 and 10. In it, Paul lists a whole load of spiritual gifts that are given to the church, including prophecy. Do we believe in prophecy? 
Do we believe in prophecy? Some hands up. I'd just like to see if you do. If you don't, I'll come and chat to you later. Excellent. Good, good, good. Um, words of knowledge. Yeah. Words of wisdom. Speaking in tongues. Yeah. Interpretation of tongues. Excellent. So do I. They're all in that list. Do you know what some of the other things are in this list? To another faith by the same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, gives the gift of faith. Not saving faith, but faith to see extra remarkable things happening in the kingdom of God. Breakthrough moments, faith for finance, faith for healing, faith for miracles, faith for different things. To another gifts of healing by one and the same Spirit. Amen. To another gifts of healing by one and the same spirit. To another working of miracles. To another prophecy. It's just in the list. Paul doesn't identify them. He doesn't say that these ones are normal ones. So just expect to see it in church life. These ones are a bit abnormal so we won't. I think if I'm honest the reason why we struggle with some of these things. Is that we are, we are born into a world view that, that really, um, really only accepts the physical. It accepts what we can scientifically prove, which does cause a little bit of a problem when we're born again, but we won't even go there. But, but, but things we can understand and grasp. And yet the kingdom of God isn't defined by that. It's spiritual. There is another dimension that works in and out of the physical dimension that we know. And at times, God decides to intervene often when his people get hold of him, and do something as a healing or a miracle that otherwise wouldn't have happened. Something out of the ordinary. Now, Samuel's gone over to the hospital, and I pray that God will, will guide the doctors and nurses there. And when he gets healed, whether it's a spiritual, sort of as in a healing, supernatural healing, or whether it's at the hands of the doctors and nurses, if I'm honest, I don't really mind. I'm going to praise God for it anyway, because I love Samuel, and I'm delighted that, that God's given us medicine and we've got openness to it. But, but we mustn't step away from spiritual gifts like healing and miracles, because we've got doctors and nurses. I believe we've got to step in and do it, and give it a go. I feel personally challenged. I've just got to get out of the boat more. And the problem with healing is you can tell straight away if it's worked or not. You know, a lot of stuff, you can't. You know, I'm standing here preaching. I don't know, you might all be asleep with your eyes open. I don't know. I don't. I'll go home blissfully unaware, you know. I might get a bit of feedback, a few emails in. I don't know, during the week, we'll see. But, but generally, I, and even if I do, I probably assume everyone else thought it was absolutely incredible. But, but, but actually with healing, oh, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it really, to, to me, it's, it's got similarities to me when we have a gift day. For me personally, so, so we lead up to the gift day and I share with you everything that's going on. And there's that moment where you're, you know, everyone's putting their money in. And I'm, I don't know, if you, you probably don't get nervous at gift days. I get nervous at gift days because you can actually tell what's happened. You know, if there's three buttons, a thing of chewing gum, and £2.28, I still worship Jesus, but, but I may be a little bit disappointed. But, but when there's £300,000 in the offering like there has been for this building work in the past, you think, wow, God, you are incredible, and wow, what an amazing faithful church. You, you can see, healing's a little bit like that. 
Now, we mustn't be afraid if people don't get healed. We're learning. Just keep going. Keep trusting. Amen? Yeah? So there's, there, we pursue the supernatural. Okay, So if you're taking notes, cross out space, put pursue the supernatural. No idea. I don't know how you spell it. <laughs> Natalie will tell you at the end. Right. Excellent. Let's move it on. So um, we, then, we then have the bit which Alid spoke about. Um, Alid, Alid preached into it um, a number of weeks ago where you had um, the sons of Sceva casting out demons in the name of Jesus, but then the demon turns on them, take, beats them up, they run out, I think, naked and bleeding. We're not, we haven't got time to go there again, but you can read it. This is what it then goes on and says in Acts 19, 17 to 20. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also many of those um, who were now believers came confessing, divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of them all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Let me highlight just two points, two ingredients for healthy church out of these verses here. The first one is God is famous and feared. It seems in God's sovereignty that he uses the sons of Sceva incident and the miracles that Paul performed earlier to bring glory to his name. And what we find is that fear falls on the residents of Exodus. Ephesus. I don't know where Exodus is. You know, they won't mess around like the sons of Sceva anymore. They, they won't do that. God was honoured and God was glorified. Now what I noticed as I sort of did a little bit of study around this in preparation for it is actually the fear of God is quite common in the New Testament. So you may have come this morning thinking, well, the fear of God was when God was in a bad mood in the Old Testament. And it wasn't, actually. It was in reflection of his holiness. But if you look in the New Testament, you will find there's quite a lot of fear of God going, in, going on. Both unbelievers, but also believers fearing God. Let me give you just a couple of instances. After Paul had the Damascus Road experience. This is what it says in Acts 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. Like it? I like that bit. That's, that's a good bit. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So on the back of this amazing encounter that Saul has, I wonder if it's a fear based out of awe and wonder. The church walked on in the fear of the Lord. That's interesting. So when, was, when, when, when did you last? When did I last? I'm, I'm provoked by this. When did I last fear God? When was something going on that caused me to take a bit of a gulp, a bit of a step back? Let me give you another one in case uh, you think it's a one-off. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. So when encouraging the Corinthian church to be holy, you know, don't dabble in sin, don't mess about with it, 
God's not to be messed with, this is what he says. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. I don't think the words are going to come up for this, but Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Work on, on working out your salvation day by day. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and not just fear. So fear bearing fruit in, you know, when you're fearful, what happens? You You tremble. With fear and trembling, why? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now there are a lot more verses like this. When I was 11 years old, my, my dad owned a petrol garage. And I used to, on occasion, go in there and help him. What really interested me was all these people that used to buy cigarettes in the garage. And I used to help fill up the cigarette, the cigarette thing. One day I came to the conclusion I wanted to try some cigarettes, but I knew there was no way my mum and dad were ever going to let me do that. So I stole them. Anyone young? Ethan, not good. Okay, This is not a, sto- this is not a good story. So I nicked them, I hid them away. And my mum caught me trying to light them. Now that was a fearful moment. (laughs) To say she was not pleased is an understatement. But the fear I remember was, I'm going to tell your father, and when he gets home, he's going to deal with you. Only two instances I can remember that being said to me. I wasn't fearful of a tyrant. I wasn't fearful of someone who lashed out or was a bully. Not not that fear. I wasn't fearful of someone who was out of control or cruel. It was a respectful fear for one who loved me was for me, wanted the best for me, but would bring discipline and training because a son does not do that to his father. That's not how it works. It was for my good and for the good of my three sisters as well. They understood what was going on. Can you see? Did I live in cowering fear of my father? No. I love my dad. But there was a moment when I did fear him. And, And we Christians, friends, in our desire for intimacy in our desire to rediscover intimacy with our Father, and that is right, and that is wonderful, and that is amazing. Let us not become over-familiar with him. 
Let's not take him for granted. Let's not use it as a cover for sin. Let's work out our salvation with fear and trembling because my Father is at work in me. And he is the King of the whole universe. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Magnificent One. He is the Creator One. And the wonder of it is that he loves me. He cherishes me. He cares for me. He will not let me go. But pause. He's one not to be taken for granted. In my time, I'll sort it out. No. No, don't. Don't let bad displays of fear in the world rob you of a right one. In Proverbs, it says that the fear of God is the beginning of all. Still the same today. Still the same today. Ingredient number seven to make healthy church. And we see it in verse 19, verses 18 and 19, is discipleship which costs everything. I mean, how cool is this? Imagine, right? Imagine I've got a video of churches in India. And I press play. And on those churches, from those churches in India, what you see is this. You see all of these church members bringing their idols Bring in their stuff and they come in and they pile it all up and it gets destroyed. Imagine the whooping. Imagine the, wow, God, you're great. Wouldn't we think that was incredible? God, how cool is that? That's exactly what happens here in Ephesus. These are Christians. They've probably been in the church for a couple of years, but something happens in the preaching. So there's a conviction of sin and understanding, actually, that witchcraft doesn't fit with my new identity in Christ. So there's a radical, an absolutely radical um, uh, result to it. And three million pounds worth of stuff is burned at a church meeting. Wow, we'd have to do it on the field. Have to do it on the field. What, what, oh, don't you think that's exciting? Don't you think you can take it into another culture and you think it's awesome? Problem with radical discipleship is it costs so much. We don't need to burn any little idols or any statues or any silver mini-god things. But our need for radical discipleship is just as high as the believers in Ephesus. If we were to have a bonfire on the backfield, what would you bring? What is it that is causing you to be hindered in your walk with God? What would you bring and put on there? What is it that causes you to be distracted? What leads you into other sin? What things do you need to repent of? Discipleship costs everything. Acts 19 verse 18 
Also, many of those who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. What would you bring? What would you confess or divulge? What we do, we've got the mic, where's the, um, where's the microphone? What we could do, we'll all do it one at a time. We could just go through, we'll start with you, Hannah, okay? Which is good news for you, Clive, because you're last, okay? And there might not be anyone left by the time we've finished. But of course we're not going to do that. Not, of course we're not going to. But, but what, come on, come on. What is hindering your walk with God? When was the last time you really did some business with God and got free from some stuff? Or, or, or is there nothing to sort out? To follow Jesus costs everything. The gospel is free, but to follow him costs everything. And it says, I'll I, I, I jump a little bit here. It says in verse 20, I love this. So the word of God continued to increase and prevail mightily. How often could we put that as a free fridge magnet? You know, Oh, let's get the word of God prevailing mightily. I'd love a bit of that. But actually, the, it's, it's talking about that on the back of then divulging practices and repenting of their sin church. That's how it prevailed mightily. So what's the results? I'm going to fly through these results. The first one, we're all going to love. Second one, I'm not overly keen on myself, but it is there. The first one is this, Ephesus has changed. Or certainly a section of Ephesus has changed. Basically... Um, and we haven't got a chance to read it, but, but do read it. It's in Acts chapter 19, verse 23 onwards. Basically, what happens is on the back of all this, so many people are becoming Christians that they're not buying their silver shrines anymore. And this really upsets the silver shrine makers because their profits are getting affected. So they cause a riot. And they drag Paul and some of the church leaders into the amphitheater thingy, whatever it's called, in, in order to accuse them. I mean, it's a full-blown right. It goes on for two hours. Half the people don't even know why they're there. But the gospel has such an impact that a whole segment of the economy is affected. It doesn't say it closes down, but it does say it's impacted enough that it bothers, it bothers the people who are running that segment of the economy. Oh, Lord, that's what I want to see is the church, healthy church, so effective and overflowing that our roads and our communities and our industry and our commerce is affected. How cool to see all of the gambling shops in Hastings closed. People just set free, don't want to... They're not putting their trust or their hope on winning big because they've already won big with Christ. And they're trusting him for their provision. I don't know, what, what would close in your neighbourhood? What wouldn't happen in your neighbourhood? Healthy church, overflowing. And you might think you're just dreaming. Oh, maybe. Praying into it too. And when there are moves of God in the past, it does affect community. It does affect broader. It does bring change. And the ninth, the ninth in this list, but the second result, is that the heat is turned up on the church. Persecution. As a result of the economy changing, persecution of the church. It wasn't that the Apostle Paul and the church at Ephesus had got things wrong. They'd got things really right and things went bad. Not every time things go wrong are you doing it wrong. Does that make, I don't know if that made any sense at all. Does that sort of make a bit of sense? Yeah. 
Make a bit of sense at the back? Yeah. Thank you, Jackie. Good. But, but persecution. And, and probably we will see more persecution in this country because of what we believe, what we teach, because it is contrary to the culture. But we need to pray for boldness and strength to follow God well and to honour him. We have a desire to grow a healthy church that will bring the kingdom of God to Hastings and 1066 country. Hundreds of individuals growing healthy together, filled with the, filled with the Holy Spirit, contending with the word of God, sharing their faith, taking the kingdom of God out, being welcoming to everyone, pursuing the supernatural in the workplace as well as on a Sunday morning. Having a right fear of God. Come on, not taking him for granted. And my mind has gone blank. And discipleship that costs everything. That's what we're up for. And as we do that, we overflow as a church. In the sovereignty of God, as a result of us stepping in, why don't we stand together as we close? I'm going to quickly read out the seven ingredients of healthy church. All I want you to do is pick one. Pick one to take away. Think about, pray about, make a decision for change on. Okay? Birthed in the Holy Spirit. Hearing, wrestling, understanding, applying the Bible. Sharing your faith, taking the kingdom of God out. Church for everyone. Really easy, you can put that into practice in about two minutes time. Space for the supernatural, pursuing the supernatural. God is famous and feared. Is there anything you just need to put right with God? He's your father. He loves you. He will not turn you away. Andrew said that at the start. He won't turn you away. He will not reject you. But don't mess with him either. You know? Discipleship costs everything. Just for a moment, quickly. Just identify that one thing, that one area. Lord, I thank you for this incredible church. I thank you uh, for who we are together. I thank you for the journey we have been on so far. I thank you for the journey you're calling us on. Lord, would you be glorified? Would your name be honoured? Lord, would you be lifted up magnificent over our town, over our communities, over 1066 country? Lord, I ask you, Lord God, that we would be an overcoming church. We would be a church that takes new ground. I pray would we know your closeness, Holy Spirit, right now, speaking deep into our hearts. Would you bring comfort where it's needed? Would you bring strength where it's needed? Would you bring conviction where it's needed? Come and have your way, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
Just as we close, got a couple of words of knowledge for healing. So um, I was praying this morning for, for, for it, and I'm just looking to step out in this. Um, right thigh, from the top of the knee to about three quarters of the way up the leg, I got a stabbing um, pain in it. I'd love to pray for you if you've got any problems between top of the knee, three quarters of the way up the th- your thigh. Um, I'm going to be here, ready to pray for you. I believe God gives us these words of knowledge because he wants to heal you. That's the reason why. Okay, And Anna, you've got a couple of things you want to share. Um, I felt like there was somebody here who's got um, scoliosis, so a curvature of the spine, um, which is particularly um, bad at the top of your neck. I feel like it's sort of tipping forwards like this, almost like the head of a swan. Um, And I felt like there's somebody who's cut their hand this week. Um, I think I saw you in a pair of blue gloves, so I'm not sure if you work in the catering um, industry or something, but um, I think it's this sort of area here near your middle finger, um, but actually a cut um, there. And also... um, Somebody who's just seeing black and white uh, rather than colours. I'm not sure whether whether um, that's in a physical sense or whether sort of emotionally, mentally, actually you feel at the moment that you're just, life's black and white and there's not much colour. But if any of those make sense, then come down. When Hannah mentioned the London Marathon earlier, I just felt God wants to heal people who've got running injuries. Excellent. So we're, we're going to be here at the front. Could I ask ministry team to come forward as well? Um, I wasn't in during that bit of the meeting, but I think people may be responding to something that happened in the worship. So um, if you can come forward for that as well, um, we'll be here to pray. Have an absolutely stunning week. Have a great week. I'll see you at prayer meeting, 7.30 on Wednesday evening. God bless you guys.